If you've been wishing, hoping, and dreaming about taking your business from six figures to multi-six figures or multi-six figures to seven figures, then I wanna make sure you get our new free guide, the multi-six and seven-figure scaling roadmap. Inside the guide, I pulled back the curtains and I shared all the strategies that I used and they can help you too. First, they can help you triple your monthly sales. I shared proven strategies with you that led to a 3X increase in my monthly sales. Second, I show you exactly how to crush your limiting beliefs. Say goodbye to doubts like, you can't charge that much and there aren't enough ideal clients for you too. Third, how to only work with ideal clients. I show you how to become the go-to expert and attract only the perfect clients and referrals. And finally, I show you how to quantum leap to $20,000 plus every single month. I show you exactly how to take a quantum leap from 8,000 per month, for example, to 20,000 a month. You can absolutely break through your upper limit barrier and enjoy five and six figure months every single month. Make 2024 your dream come true year by downloading your free guide today. Just click the link in the show notes below. Welcome to Double Your Sales Now, your resources to selling strategies, tips, and best practices to take your performance to the next level. There's no reason you can't double your sales. So let's get to it with your sales coach, Ursula Menches. Hello, everyone, and welcome to Double Your Sales Now, where you learn all the tips, mindset shifts, tools, and strategies to two times your sales in any niche. I'm your host, Ursula Minches, and I can't wait to dive into today's show. I have Martha Womack with me today from Southern California. I've known her for years. She's got an incredible story to tell, and I'm I'm so excited um, that she's here today because I know you're going to leave the show super inspired. So I just want to first welcome Martha to the Double Your Sales Now show. Thank you so much. It's nice to be here. Oh my gosh, it's going to be fun. So I uh, I want to tell you a little bit about Martha, and you'll see why I'm excited to interview her. She's been an entrepreneur for years. Martha was raised, born and raised in West Texas and is the youngest of three girls. She graduated with a Bachelor of Science in Sociology in 1984 and then moved across Texas and through Albuquerque and landed in Southern California at the age of 29. Martha at one time thought she was going to pursue law enforcement, decided not to, and instead took a job in the glass industry. And the rest is history or her story, right? Martha founded All Glass when the company she was working for closed their doors in 1991. In 2017, All Glass celebrated its 26th year in business, and her sales have almost tripled since 2013. All Glass currently employs eight people, and Martha will be turning operations over to employees by the end of 2018. Oh, I'm excited to talk about that. Martha and I, I'm saving our catching up for this call so you won't miss a thing because uh, I, I haven't heard a lot of these updates. Thank you. Martha's also married and celebrated 20 years in August of 2017. Congratulations, by the way. And she is currently enrolled in a graduate program and seeking a master's degree in theological studies for the next phase of her amazing life. What a cool journey. So Martha, let's just start. I want our listeners to get to know you a little bit. I mean, the Sales Coach Now fan, we know you, we love you. Um, Tell just a little bit of like your journey, your story, and really how your thinking about business and life seems like it's transformed so much to the point where now you're in graduate school full time, you're going to be turning your business over to somebody else. Like, tell us the story. Wow. Well, it's, it's kind of a long one, but I'll, I'll bullet point it. Um, I actually started a business 
back in Dallas many, many years ago. And it's kind of occurred for me for many years that it was just a default thing. My dad was an entrepreneur. He owned a, owned a Western Auto store. And I worked there and watched what he dealt with, not having a corporate job, not having all of those nice things like retirement. And I really didn't envision that sort of life for myself. So I happened into a contracting business back in Dallas, paint and wallpaper, did that for a couple of years and got kind of got my feet wet in, in the whole do-it-yourself kind of business. Um, I was really looking to do something where I was, I didn't, I wasn't even really aware of it, but I wanted to do something where I was a little bit more stable than what I had, had watched my dad go through. But it seems that I just kept Kept, I've, I've said it this way for years. I kind of fell into things, and I've I've re, refocused that to it's kind of where I should have been. And the the intention when I got out of my undergraduate degree to be in law enforcement and be in some way in service in that area was it just wasn't working out. It's like I'm falling into other things, and that's just not working out. So when I moved to Los Angeles in 1991 with the specific intention of going to work as a police officer. It's like the, the universe gave me the biggest message that I could get in that I didn't want to work for the Los Angeles Police Department. So because I had been working in the glass industry and I was working for a company managing their shower door department, and then they went out of business, it was the first, well, the first I experienced really big housing bubble burst in Southern California. So I started All Glass in 1991 with probably the worst economic climate, worst housing <laughs> housing industry climate that had as, as of that point existed in California. And it was, it's funny because I started the business in that kind of an atmosphere. So I know how to run lean. I've run lean the whole time I've been in business. It's never been drive the big fancy car or any of that good stuff. And it has been kind of, a, I don't know, a little bit of a struggle. And it's a lot about the limiting beliefs and the things we're going to talk about later. But I just kept going. And that's one of the things that I have I inherited from my, my parents and my, my family is a stick-to-itiveness that I, I just don't stop. I mean, the, I, you'd have to smack me down completely before I'd stop. And so I've managed to keep the business going. I've grown it. It. We went through another housing bubble, obviously, in 2008, 9, 10, that just kept going. Went down from eight or nine employees at that time to me and my one lead installer and a helper. And that was it. And that's, you know, at 2011 is when I basically started the company over, started looking into things. Um, as far as how I ended up where I ended up, that I'm looking into having a master's degree and being somehow in service in the, in the, the middle of the United States, being in a conversation, like having a dialogue between different faiths. I've, I've gotten clear for myself that that's what I'm here on this planet for, is to, ha to make a difference for, for people in being able to express themselves and have access to their own spirituality. And that, that's what has driven me to get to this point. Beautiful. Well, I have chills just um, hearing that. And I know even you know today, like you are going to make a difference. You are making a difference in this moment and what you're going to share. And it is interesting. You know, I hadn't thought about that. But yeah, you survived two horrible housing busts in California, and still, and now you're just the business is just thriving. And I, you know, a lot of people in the world don't realize 
how bad things were in Southern California. I mean, I was there. I it was heartbreaking just watching what people went through and being, you know, kind of on the front lines of it with a lot of our clients. And by the time we met you, you were you were already on your way out of it. But you're from Texas, right? Like <laughs> you're tough. I mean, it, it, and so we're going to talk about that today. That stick to itiveness and that willingness to keep going, and and knowing like the other thing you knew what to, you knew to retreat. Like you knew that you had to let some people go. You knew to save the company. This is what you had to do, and you're able to do all those things. So congratulations, and here you are. And so so many things to talk about. But let's let's jump in. Of course, this sale this show is about sales and business and. Uh, all of those things, but also, you know, the, the spirituality piece we'll touch on. When you launched your business back in the day, let's go to, let's talk about All Glass. When you launched All Glass, did you have limiting beliefs about sales and selling then? Like, what did you think about salespeople? What did you think about the sales process? I was very clear that I was not that. <laughs> and it, it I remember. Awesome. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, and you got me after I had actually transformed a little bit of that. So it was it was really interesting because it was it really was that company went out of business and I had only been working there for I don't know, four, five, six months when they decided to mm-hmm. close the doors. And I had a customer list about 20 long that because they also had a customer list that involved new home builders and all of those people just defaulted on everything they owned, owed the company, but all of the independent small glass shops and plumbing supply stores that were ongoing customers for, for the name of the company was Amglass. Um, those people, I, I went to the owner of the company. I, I was pretty ballsy for somebody, you know, 20 something years old, had never been in a management position in my life. And I was real clear I wasn't that person, right? So I went to the owner of the company and I told him, I am going to take care of these shower door customers. And I just want to let you know that's my intention. So I'm letting them all know that I will be back in business. So I, I, at that moment, made the decision to keep those customers taken care of. So I got on the phone with each of them and I called each and I said, basically, in 30 days, I'll be back in business. And I had no idea exactly how I was going to do that. I had the gentleman who had been doing installs for us, he and I partnered together at that point and we were going to start this thing. I borrowed $10,000 from my dad. We borrowed $10,000 from another investor and we started the company. It was, you know, literally, they closed wow. the doors, I think, the, for good, took their last order sometime in the middle of October of 1991, and we took our first order on November 12th of 1991. So we just celebrated 26 years last month, um, 26 years in a month today, I mean, yesterday, and really just, it was, I mean, like the default, like I fell into it really That's how it occurred to me because I was really clear. I wasn't equipped for this. I had learned how to do shower doors. I started out learning how to build them in Albuquerque and then moved into managing their office and the company in Albuquerque. And then I had the opportunity to move to Southern California with a friend. And it was just, you know, all of these things just kind of fell into place. It was really, it was really bizarre. And at the time I didn't have any concept of like, the, the whole idea that there is more at work than what I know and what I can do. Mm-hmm. And so the, you know, all of those, those pieces. So we've made relationships. I still do business with 
I think four or five of the customers that I started with that I took from Amglass and started up with. So those relationships have lasted all this time and I have I have very intentionally kept them very good. Like like well it's just authenticity and integrity. That's how I keep the relationships rolling because I'm comfortable that way. I can sleep at night when I know that I'm being real with people. And I think that's why they're still with me. I think that's why the customers I have tend to be quite loyal. So those repeat customers keep coming. Awesome. And I know we're going to talk about that too. I know that's one of the things that is very important to you and your success. Um, So Martha, when you, so you launched the company, you got a a couple of loans, you were in the mindset of, "Hmm, not sure I should be doing this, but pretty sure I can. So I'm going to do it anyway. Um, When did you double your sales for the first time? So like it was 1991, you launch, you're bringing customers in. I don't know if you remember a moment when that happened. And after you doubled your sales for the first time, what did you believe about sales and selling then? Huh. I'm, I'm not, there's not like a specific moment that I doubled for the first time because over 26 years, I've probably doubled a hundred times. Seriously. Right. <laughs> Starting out from <laughs> nothing. And you know, at the time we started the business, Jerry and I sat down and did ran the numbers and what we were looking at was the possibility of doing $6,000 a month in sales. And we got to that pretty quickly. And what I started seeing was, and it, it was, I mean, I didn't even have a bookkeeping program. I, I really didn't know what I was doing. That was That's the honest truth. But when I started actually getting access to the numbers, I would say probably in 95 or 96, I started seeing how incredibly profitable this business could be if you do it effectively. And that was that was a pretty big aha moment. And By the time we got to, because I made some pretty major changes in the company in 2003, I incorporated, I got completely legal, got all of the licensing, all of the workers comp, everything in place that I had, had kind of, we, we grew in a way where I was subcontracting the labor and doing things like that, that just, I couldn't sleep at night. It was uncomfortable because I was exposed. So in 2003, I felt the trend and it was, it was an uptrend. There's no question. People were being able to buy houses who never should have been able to buy houses from about 96, 97, 98. And we were putting, you know, they were putting hundreds of thousands of dollars in remodels in in houses that they were buying. And that era, say between 97 and 2003, we doubled got to the point where I, I was really seriously intentionally making making inroads. We doubled again, and in 2008, we were on track to do a million dollars in gross, gross sales. And that's when the, I would say around July 10th or 11th of 2008, is when the bottom fell out. It's it was bizarre because you can almost looking <laughs> yeah. at my my receivables, you can see when it stopped. And it was it was such an immediate thing. So at that point, yep. we ended up doing about eight hundred thousand that year in gross sales. And then in two thousand nine, we did another did probably close to the same in two thousand nine, but there was then is where it dropped off. So. Up to that point, the the doubling was kind. It was kind of like it was just organically happening, and I wasn't doing anything much to cause it except just doing good work. So then, when I rebuilt the business, starting in eleven, twelve, like in that that era when I met Ursula, when I was really seeking, I I kind of got present to that my fixed way of being, my the way I do stuff, the way I know it works is not 
it's the problem is when you get to something and you know it, you stop looking. You stop looking for what else might be out there. And I got I was I was very meticulously clear about how things had to be done and I had no motion there. So I I started reaching out to people. A friend of mine, Cinnamon Alvarez, actually took me to invited me to come to a thing in uh, Ontario. And that's where I met Ursula. And I had never heard of anybody doing sales coaching per se. And I kind of thought when I went to that breakout session that this was just going to be more of the same because I know what this looks like, right? <laughs> so I was, I was intrigued the whole, I mean, that's because mm-hmm. I've, I've been at work and been <laughs> educating myself and being in the space of what it looks like, the brain science side of things, how, how your brain patterns actually impact, how the things you know actually stop you. Like there's physiological stuff about this and Ursula's way of going at this spoke to me in that way. You you really had you had me from I don't know <laughs> that that whole concept that there's more to it than just you learn something and then you repeat it. And that that learning something and repeating it doesn't doesn't necessarily forward the action. And so at that point mm. and I did the sales camp and at sales camp they introduced me to the to the synchrony synchronize synchronize okay. i have my little star right here on my desk <laughs> Yay. and i thought you know if somebody's willing to actually without knowing anything at all about me willing to promise me that we can through this technology actually double the sales cuz it was we were in pretty good shape at that point why not give it a shot because that piece about how i looked at sales I, I just figured, okay, it's going okay like this. I'm not actually doing anything actively to seek it. Then why not just keep rolling along like this? Because then I don't ever have to make a cold call. I don't ever have to do that uncomfortable sales stuff that I'm doing air quotes, right? <laughs> <laughs> I can almost see you. <laughs> the uncomfortable things that I had, had created in my thinking about what it looks like to do sales. So... Yeah, then, and that's, I'm not sure how far in. I think it took us, and see, now we're a team. Now me and the sales coach, now people are a team because I, I bought into and had them buy into me. And by having that, I think it took about a year and two or three months before I actually sold, like really did double. Mm-hmm. And at that point, I think double was, I have to think, I think it was about – Somewhere in the neighborhood of seventy thousand a month was double, mm-hmm. and I haven't talked to you in a while, Ursula. In the month of September, we did one hundred and ten thousand dollars worth of business. You did text that to me, and I did have a moment of tears okay. for you because I was so happy. And but the, the, when you texted me, it was like, "And we're doing one hundred ten thousand a month, which is great." But by the way, I'm in school full time, and it, my life is amazing. Like that was the part that touched my heart because that was what you truly wanted. And I think as business owners, we often, you know, we have this dream of what we want, Martha, and then we end up creating a job that we hate for ourselves. And you've created a corporation that you run, and then we're going to talk about like are you turning over operations. But I just want to say, take a moment and say congratulations wow you you did it and you know we open up the space but you have to take the steps and you were willing you were willing to push through a lot of stuff of limiting beliefs about sales and team and you know where you wanted to go with the company and what was really possible and here you are you've done it wow 
Yeah. Thank you. Yeah. It's been fun. And, and the, the cool thing about it is, is that I, I think that underneath a lot of stuff, I mean, in the, the other places that I'm educating myself and, and growing myself in the world, so much of what, what I have experienced in my life, I have this, this, I had this impression that it all came from outside. That, that the limits to what I was able to, to accomplish came from outside of myself. And the, the big turnaround really is getting that my, my limits are my own. They're, they're all, I mean, you know, there is no in your head per se, but it's in my thinking that those limits exist, not in reality. And if I can disconnect that, like, like get it unhooked from how I behave, it gives me some freedom to, to move into really there's possibility for absolutely anything. When you, when you get to this stop is my stop. This limit is in my thinking, not, this isn't imposed on me by the world or by the government or by whoever the president is or anything else. It is imposed by my own limited thinking. Yeah. Yes. Well, on that note, when you think back, especially when you push through to the you the, this last double that you did into the hundred and ten thousand a month range, what was your number one limiting belief that you changed? Do you think? It's it's pretty deep. It's pretty it's it's a little hard to get to, and you could probably tell me easier than I can actually, but it's. It's something in the area, and I've said it several times so far this morning, I'm not the one. That whatever it is, that, you know, whatever difference I plan to make in the world around religion, there's a real clear understanding that I'm not the one. I'm not big enough. I'm not important enough. I'm not weighty enough. I don't have the the name or whatever. And I, with with business, it kept coming back to, well, I don't... I don't know how to do this. I don't know what the books are supposed to look like. I finally at some point got to, and it's not realizing, it's not having a realization or an aha moment where you all of a sudden go, oh, that's what it is. It's more like organic. It's more in your cells than that. It's getting to a place where I recognize that I have choice in every matter. Mm. And I can, I can step into, I can hire somebody, I can fire somebody, I can train them, I can create a relationship with a new customer. None of it, none of it has to be limited by who I think I'm not, mm. you know? Yes. And it's, it's, and it's, it's daily, it's moment by moment, because it's like the default for humanity is to have that I'm not enough. But to be conscious and aware, like have that capacity to distinguish that, that that's what I'm doing now and I can choose to do something else in my thinking. And it's, you know, it, it, it's weird because in sales, in creating sales and generating sales out there, when that's not what I'm speaking from, when I'm speaking from, we have this product line, we have this service capacity, and we want to have that be a contribution to your remodel, to your life, to have you be able to wake up in the morning and get in the shower and think of us every time you do in a positive way. And I have customers tell me that because it's like I am, I am so committed to transforming contracting in the state of California because we are the exception. And I'm, I'm really proud of that. I'm very proud of, 
of that piece. And it took me getting me out of the way. Just, it just, there's a, there's a moment. I mean, you, you asked if there was a moment in time and I don't know that it's like a a distinct moment, but there's been like a major shift in it's brain patterns, kids. It's like, I have a capacity to think beyond what I know that I didn't have. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. It gives me access to anything that I want. It's pretty cool. Well, and you said something, I think that's a tweetable moment. It's that it's, you choose moment by moment. And we talk a lot on the show. It's come up a lot, Martha, about imposter syndrome or I'm not enough or who am I to do this, right? Like I do, I agree with you. Like you said, it's the human condition. Like somehow we end up on the planet. We're like, who am I to do that? And yet there's this calling of, yet I know I have to. I mean, for you, you know, you're teaching on this call today. I can feel like as our, you know, as people will listen to the show, they're going to be thinking, oh, I wish Martha would write a book. I wish I could take her class. Like I know I know, maybe you don't know this yet, but I know you're being pulled in that direction. I know eventually you'll have a book if that's what you choose. I know you'll be doing more teaching, which you've done some of that already. I mean, I, there's that, that next piece of what your soul is calling you to do and transforming the contracting industry and so many things to do, right? So many things that you know you could impact. In the moment though, in the moment, it's exactly what you said. It's that I have to choose that I'm going to look internally for what's the truth, what the truth is versus externally. And when you look in, you see what's true and then you make different decisions and you can take different actions, which is what you've done. And it hasn't always been easy, right? Like you, there's times when I'm sure making changes in the business or growing the business or adding team members, it wasn't what, or picking up the phone and making a cold call wasn't what you wanted to do, but you did it anyway. So what I'm curious about, how have you been able to do the things you didn't want to do or that were out of your comfort zone? Because a lot of people listening, I'm sure they have things that are in front of them right now. They know it's the next step. They know they need to do this in their business. They don't want to do it. How have you managed to do that in order to grow a seven figure business that you love? there's kind of two sides of all of us, right? So we, we, we name this voice in our head, our conscience. And then we pretend that somehow that conscience is the do all end all in what you know, the right thing to do, how you should behave. And it's not. That conscience is just your, your, your brain running tricks on you. And we treat it as though that's the truth. Mm-hmm. So I've, what I've gotten to is a place where I can recognize when that little squeaky little voices speaking up in my head, telling me, oh, you can't call them. They already have somebody that does this for them. All of that, that negative talk that goes on, it's not ever said, I would never say any of that out loud, but I've let it run me. But that recognizing that that, that thing going on over there is not built to grow you. It's built to stop you. Mm-hmm. When I can see it, and I can, I mean, I'll, I'll be picking up the phone to call somebody, a, a customer that's got a complaint, and it's always me. It's, my employees take it up to a point, but if somebody's got a problem, I have to be the one that deals with it. And that's, you know, it's awesome because I am masterful at dealing with customer complaints, but it's uncomfortable. So in that moment, there's, there is a moment where I make a decision to step into the discomfort, to just do it. And sometimes it's because I have to, because nobody else is going to. That's, that happens, right? Sure. But to, to recognize it, go in anyway. And then when the outcome 
it's like you you have to be willing to accept that whatever the outcome of that dis, that uncomfortable step in is that you're going to relish it not dread it but relish it and there's there's something really powerful in in that so i i call a customer who has an issue and i i own what it is that we can and sometimes i own stuff that i shouldn't you know it's not your fault you right. shouldn't own that right right sure but you do but by doing that it gives me access to their listening that i wouldn't have otherwise and it also when i when i just get related to people it gives me it actually gives me joy to be able to have that connection with that other human being. And by doing that, I develop relationships with people that wouldn't have happened before. If I'd have just fixed the problem and Kelly had talked to him and it was handled, that relationship would not have been created in the same way. And eventually, when you step through the discomfort enough times, you realize you get to a place where it's natural to just go, oh yeah, I have to go over this little bump to get to the to the gravy, you know? Yes. And it is. That's where the good stuff is. I read something, I just did a thing called the Being a Leader course, and one of the preparatory readings, there was a t- statistic in it that said that if when you look at satisfaction, customer satisfaction, 26 percent, 26 point something percent of customers who give businesses five-star ratings or better, now, this is big. That's a big statistic. 26% of those started out unhappy. Yes. Wow. And what created that five-star review or that excellent review and a relationship that's ongoing is that the company stepped in, took responsibility, and dealt with it. And that's that's my pledge to my customers. I have a... I have a, a what is it, a mission statement, but my pledge to my customers is that no matter what happens, you will be happy before we leave. Yes. Awesome. And that's, it's, it's huge. And, and I see it. I have one woman who is, she gave us a, she would have given us a zero stars review on Yelp had she had access to that. (laughs) And (laughs) I have, you know, a couple of dozen five-star reviews and nothing else and this one really negative review and i i made it my job to make sure that lady was absolutely thrilled and it's you know the whole company and me being able to have kelly get that this isn't about this woman is just a horrible person and she's pregnant and she's hormonally challenged and all of that stuff this is this lady had a really bad experience with our company, and I am committed to altering that for her, to having her be one of those 26% who will become a five-star review because of she gets that we, most important to all glasses, that she be happy. Mm-hmm. Well, and I think, Martha, that's such a great reminder for all of us that as business owners, we can be perfectly imperfect as long as we fix it. And I've heard some of those statistics. In fact, I remember reading a book and reading a study that 
when you, (laughs) this is really interesting, but when you consistently deliver excellence, like you're, when you over deliver, let's say the words over deliver to the point where you're not even, you're way outside of your boundaries and you're a little bit probably codependent, right? Like you're over delivering. You actually have unhappier clients because they start to expect this, this certain level that you can't continue. You can't like, it's, it's not even human. And in fact, the happiest customers are the ones where you deliver what you say you're going to deliver. And then when it's not perfect, you fix it or, you know, when it's not what they thought you fix it. And then, yeah, then you have customers for life. Cause it is like, we forget, like this is still a people business. We can hide behind our computers and social media, but at the end of the day, it's still our business. So Martha, we have a few minutes left and I have two more questions that I want to ask you. And I could, you and I could chat all day and I love what you're sharing, but what I'm curious about is what were the, what are, when you look back at your business? So two questions, I want to talk about sales and then I want to talk about customer service, but what are the top two strategies that you've used to grow your sales into the million dollar range? Like you look back, the top two sales strategies that you've used. I wish I was as clear about that as I am some of the other stuff. Um, <laughs> one of the things that I've, I'm kind of conscious that it stops my competition. And that is that it's, it has changed so hugely in the last 10 years as far as how to be visible. Yep. And being like not necessarily on the cutting edge of social media and of, of online like Yelp and Google and all of that good stuff, but being willing and continue to listen. And it's the same as before to continually listen to the people who are pitching because the technology changes so frequently and so drastically that if you don't, you're going to lose your visibility. I've uh, honestly, all of the advertising that we have done has gone into everything. All of the money we spent has gone into being visible mm-hmm. on, on, on Yelp. I'm paying Yelp and I'm paying, you know, SEO stuff. That's all I'm paying out in, in advertising. Visibility is absolutely the most important thing. And that piece of being able to stay visible takes being being willing to change your course. Mm-hmm. Um, I think that probably the most, what is a lot of what I got out of sales camp has stuck and it's gotten, cause Kelly did sales camp too. And the pieces of follow up and I, I don't even, I know it was in sales camp that I heard this and I think Kelly heard it because there's this discomfort with calling people after we've quoted them. Yep. Following up, following up. But I actually just recently hired a young woman and almost all of her job is follow up. Yes. Nice. <laughs> Yay. <laughs> and it's, we have, we are now in a position where no matter, I mean, we still are selling and my accountant still tells me we're selling a higher percentage of our estimates than we should. Like we're closing, we're still closing probably 85 or 90%. And, and wow. Wendy tells me that if I'm closing that many of the sales, it means that we are not high enough. Our prices are too low. And I don't necessarily agree with that. So I haven't, <laughs> I have increased prices, but not drastically. But that piece that we have, the, the funnel is getting filled up. And I've done, I mean, I reach out to businesses. We've done things in the blue book where general, we have several general contractor customers that we didn't have when you and I spoke last. Mm -hmm. It's 
it's just being visible that they can see us. And then whenever they make an inquiry, we always call them back. We always respond to the inquiries. That's another thing that I have seen my competition do over the years is I'll go to go do an estimate or call a contractor back and they'll say, wow, I've called eight people in your industry and nobody but you has called me back. Wow. Calling back, being in communication and that follow-up thing. And it's my coaching to my people is you keep calling them until they say stop. Yes. Either buy it from somebody else or they say, stop bothering me. You're driving me insane. And they never do that. Customers never do that. So that fear that that's going to happen is completely illogical. Well, yeah. And Martha, I can tell you in your industry, it is unusual. I mean, sadly, it's the weirdest thing. Like, and you know, we... I mean, <laughs> you were one of the those the people in the construction industry who was willing to say, yes, I'm going to keep following up. Because whenever I pull a group, because we've had other construction companies come through, I want to show them that this is a rare thing that, you know, they don't, that industry, for whatever reason, it's not a common thing to follow up. And yet, look at you, through following up, you have an 85% close ratio. A big part of that is because you guys are following up. And of course, you're professional and you deliver and all those other things that are in place and you're visible, you have great reviews. Like that's huge, right? For someone to say yes to you, but your willingness to follow up and then have an 85% close rate. I mean, come on, that is phenomenal. The other thing you said is being visible and being out there. And so what, whatever our industry, you know, being visible and, you know, managing the reviews and taking care of our customers is so important. So we have just a couple minutes left, Martha, but I, you are an expert in so many things, business development, business growth, uh, and, you know, customer service, customer relationships. But I, I want you to talk about, because you keep touching on this, but on customer relationships, um, customer service, what are your top two secrets? Like, how do you really take care of your customers? Or what can you teach us about two things about customer service? Authenticity. And that that is probably the like the foundational piece, integrity and authenticity. Doing what you said you do and doing it on time. And being in communication when you can't. Yes. Period. It's that alone, being in communication, but also being straight with people. And I make people uncomfortable all the time because I just talk straight. I just say exactly what's so. And if it's if what's so is that I'm uncomfortable because I feel like you're kind of bullying me, I'm going to say I'm kind of uncomfortable. I feel like you're kind of bullying me. <laughs> you know, it just it's just it is just talking straight to people, and. That that piece, I think, is is supremely important. But I think like like that foundationally, those two words, integrity and authenticity, those two things are the foundation. I actually have an integrity statement on my window that I look up from my computer and it's right there. Do what you said you do. Do it on time. And when you're not going to let people know. That is, is like paramount. But the second thing, and it may be more important. When, when the foundational part just becomes what's so, you don't have to think about it. It's just how you live your life. The next thing is listening. And I listen to what people want. I don't tell them what they want. I don't tell them how it should be. I don't give them because it's easier, because I have extra hardware that I need to get rid of. I don't tell you what you want. I listen very, very astutely to what you are saying. And Sometimes it's not about shower doors. Sometimes it's just about being heard. Sometimes it's just about having somebody who is willing to let you be the single most important thing happening right now. And for my customers, that's how it is. 
they, as soon as I walk in the door, now I, I haven't figured out how to train people in this, but I can definitely coach people in listen, listen to what's making that what's important to them. All you have to do is say, have you thought about what you want? What do you want? What do you see? What's your vision of this? And then you figure out how to make that happen. It's listening for what people want, listening to what's important. So for everyone who's listening, these definitely write these down and they seem obvious and yet somehow we forget them, but be authentic, have integrity. And you know, Martha, I think you're such a, you use such a great example of just saying what's so. And you always say that. You've, for as long as I've known you, you've always said, I'm just going to say what's so, or I told them what was so. And what's, what's honest when you're speaking from your heart, because people will match you and meet you there. And then listening. I agree with you. Like we're in a society where no one's listening. And sometimes, and I'm sure you've experienced this, you're, they're telling you their life story. They just lost someone. It's not even about shower doors. Like my sense of you, and I, I know you, I mean, you show up to serve. And when you do that, you will have customers for life and you'll have a deeper connection than you can ever imagine. So Martha, in closing, a couple things. You know, for some of our listeners, they might be having a great day in business and a great year in business. Others, this may feel like they're 2009, right? They're 1991, whatever it might be. They might be having a tough year for a million reasons. But for those people who are having their toughest month, day, or year, what's your best advice for them? Wow. Well, the I think the, the, the piece in a time like that, at least for me, and I think for my employees and my partner and all of those things, when there's that feeling of hopelessness or that we're never going to dig out of this or I'm going to lose my house, you know, all of those incredibly disempowering things that you say to yourself. Again, it's that little voice in your head saying all this stuff because you'd never share it with anybody because you'd sound crazy. Right. But <laughs> when you hear that, when you have that experience, just I, mean, I, I, I had a, a, a coach actually run me through the worst case scenario, like what's the worst possible thing that could come out of this? And when I'm willing to look at it, it's not nearly as bad as my yeah. dread. But it, it's getting really real, like being authentic with yourself. There is, there is always a next step. There's going to be a tomorrow, whether you're in business or not. You might as well. So it's, it's, it's just push through. It's almost like, you know, that, that, that hopelessness, I'm not, not talking about clinical depression things, but the hopelessness that because there's no safety net, because you don't have a union, because you don't have a corporate structure behind your paycheck that's going to keep you getting paid, whether the business is profitable or not, you know what to do. So just thanks for sharing. Yeah, little voice in my head. I know that it's hopeless and that the world is going to come to an end and just keep keep going. And do something that you know you're good at. Like get on the call on the phone and call one of your good customers and just tell them. You know, I'm 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 feeling concerned. I actually have done that. I've gotten on the phone with one of my long long-term customers and just said, "Hey Sally, just freaking out a little bit, just checking out house business, you know, mm. just, just having a pep talk with somebody who you're related to. It makes a huge difference to share about it and to actually be, yes, be authentic, be real. When you're scared, say yeah. I'm scared. 
and you'll talk yourself out of it. You got where you are because you are yes. that kind of person. Talk yourself through it and step Beautiful. on through. But it, it's like those phone calls. It's like making those problem calls. As soon as the phone rings and they pick up, the pressure is off. Yes. Do something that you know you're good at and just, just Beautiful. keep stepping in. Martha, we're out of time. Here's the thing. I want you to – so if someone's in Southern California and they want to learn more about your shower doors or maybe they want to partner with you or if someone just wants to email you and say, hey, you're awesome. I want to get your book someday. Wink, wink. Um, how can people reach out to you to encourage you or to connect with you for business? What's the best way to reach you? My website is allglassbath.com. It's A-L-L. G-L-A-S-S, bath, like bathtub, B-A-T-H dot com, allglassbath.com. The phone numbers have the same phone number for 26 years, so it's an easy one to remember. It's 909-931-3150. And if you want to email me, it's Martha at allglassbath.com. And I'd love to hear from any of you who are who are in this process that might have awesome. some suggestions for me. And if you need a shower door, this is most assuredly who you need to call. The best, right? Martha, thank you so much for being here today. We appreciate you. We send you so much love and we can't wait to see what's next. So thank you. Thank you, Ursula. And I want to thank all of our listeners around the world. Thanks for being here. We hear you. We love getting your messages. Also, go to our website, salescoachnow.com for a free gift. We have a video series you can download for free, Sales Secrets of the Top 10%. We'd love to gift that to you. And also on the website, you can see all of our upcoming sales camps. They're all in Minneapolis next year. We'll have eight of those. Come out and play with us. Let us know if there's anything we can do. You can email me directly at Ursula, U-R-S-U-L-A at salescoachnow.com. And let's make 2018 your most epic year yet. Thanks, everybody. Thank you for listening to Double Your Sales Now. To get even more information to take your sales to the next level, visit us at salescoachnow.com. That's salescoachnow.com. Join us again next week to learn how to double your sales now.